Hallelujah. 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 Will you just lift your hands one more time? And will you lift your voice? Don't just think your praise. Would you now give the Lord Jesus Christ your personal praise? You may just be learning how to begin to praise. Just start with, Lord Jesus, I do love you and I honor you. I respect you for who you are, what you've done and what you're doing, what you're going to do. Lord, I want to build a relationship with you. But I want you to know how much I am in need of you. Hallelujah. 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 Give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on, give him a shout. Something happens in the atmosphere, I tell you. Give him a shout. Give him a shout. Give him a shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah simply means praise the Lord. There is no other Lord like our Lord, no other God like our God. He is the one true living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just those of you in person, just before you see to turn around to somebody, give them an air high five, an elbow bump, a fist bump, something. Those of you streaming, I'll give you a fist bump in the air. How about that? Real quickly, again, we're in a year of what? Encouragement. How many needs encouragement? And in doing so, our promotion, of course, to just a simple reminder is high five. So everybody give me a high five. Come on. Come on. Anthony, give me a high five. There you go. Courtney, give me a high five. Got to have fun, folks. Puts a smile on your face. Again, I won't go through everything right now. We've got a full year of encouragement, high-fiving each other. But real quickly, a reminder of the devotional books. Again, uh, either get online or in the foyer for those of you in person. Two books, Jesus Speaks and The Greatest Words Ever Spoken, total $24. If you can't pay that, put it on my tab. Many of you that's already started this are just telling you, this is one of the best devotions ever. It's just so simple and pure and yet powerful because it is what? WJ, WDJS, what did Jesus say? And he's speaking to us today. The second thing is we're wanting to raise an army of at least 100 people giving $5 a month. Um, and again, I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit put that in my spirit to share with you. Everybody can give $5 a month. The children can give $5. And it's important that we raise up the next generations knowing how to give and be charitable. And this ministry uh, is, a, is a noble ministry, the House of Cherith. And Rake Straw uh, will lead us in this with our ladies. But again, it's combating human trafficking. And it's a major, major, major need. And with this Atlanta International Airport, it's just all around us. And I want us to be a part of an army, not just down of Grace Life, of, of people all across the country contributing. And it will give highlights uh, of what's happening through that ministry throughout the year. But again, 
Um, we need to know who you are. Many of you said you want to give more than $5. That's fine, but I, I, I want that commitment of five. We need to know who you are so we can have a consistency. I've been doing ministry a long time, folks. And it's one thing to just, in the spur of the moment, to hear about something, give a one-time offering. That helps. But when you have ministries, it helps to know how to budget. Can I hear an amen? amen. And so that's why we're doing it this way, so that there's a consistency uh, in our giving so that that ministry can depend on uh, that. And when there's overflows of that, that's, that's wonderful. But we need to know that consistent number. So again, get online or, or go in the foyer. Today I want to um, draw your attention to the book of Revelation chapter 3. And as you're turning there, those of you streaming as well, um, we're used to expressions like this. Did you hear me? How many parents have spoke to their children and don't think that their children have heard them and did you hear me? How many has been there? Amen. Or a response likened unto this, I'm listening now. And um, maybe someone else is making an expression, would you give me an ear for a moment? All these expressions are describing two things. One is hearing and one is listening, and they are not necessarily the same. We hear a lot of things, but what are we listening to? A lot of things are being spoken, and they pass by us. But how many times, and sometimes it's kind of jovial and funny among uh, married couples, uh, dating couples, whatever the situation, and other times it gets a little more serious where you're kind of offended when you're dialoguing with that other person and you realize that somehow they missed the communication. And sometimes it can be funny, like I said, you know, did you not hear me? Or something is said and you've repeated what they just said. Did you not hear me just say that? How many's been there? The Word of God addresses us in the same way. And we, we find these examples. So where we're really focusing in is not the hearing as much as listening. Listening is simply to give attention with the ear. It is attending closely with the ear. You want to capture what's being said. It is to, to pay attention to, to heed, and to obey. That I'm listening. So again, it's one thing to ask, are you, are you hearing something? It's another thing, are you listening? There's a consistent statement in these first three chapters of Revelation to churches. And it simply comes across as, he that hath ears... The person who has ears, let them hear. What it's really saying is, I'm speaking, but are you listening? Would you stand with me as we read God's Word together? I want to draw your attention to one particular church. It's the third chapter, verse 14. It's known as the church of Laodicea. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, by the way, the word angel probably means pastor. I'm just saying. <laughs> the words of the amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were either cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth 
For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. You're a hot mess. (laughs) I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. As I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He that has an ear, let him hear, let him listen what the Spirit says to the churches. Lord, we thank you for your word. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Again, who are we hearing? And so we got to ask ourselves, and Lynn Davis, thank you so much for leading us in that prayer for our nation and for our leaders. He actually called me yesterday and said, Pastor, I I just feel like somebody needs to lead and Pastor, you know, if you want to lead, I said, no, you're an elder, and the Lord has put this on your heart, and he did a beautiful job. And so I said that to come back to the point we're all hearing things. We hear the media. We hear social media. We hear pundits. We hear chatter. We hear opinion. But who are we listening to? You can't help but hear things. And The truth is, we need to be knowledgeable of our times. We need to know what people are talking about. As a pastor, I've made that a practice since the early part of ministry, youth pastoring, of either listening to music that I typically wouldn't listen to, watching programming that I wouldn't personally choose, just so I know what people are seeing, listening, involving themselves in. When I hear things, I'm not totally blindsided. I have some kind of working knowledge. And again, all of us, we find ourselves in a world where we need to to know what others are talking about so we can dialogue, if nothing else, just to get involved and communicate so that we can build friendships. But the question is, who are we listening to? We hear, but who are we listening to? The given here can be easily missed, but the given here is God speaks. The given here is that he speaks to his people. He speaks to churches. He does that sometimes through pastors and as they communicate, but God uses different mediums to speak. God's always speaking, but are we listening? The given here, it's his will to communicate his will to us so that he is known, so that he is understood, so that he is experienced. Again, the given here is that God is constantly speaking. The given here is that he wants his people to commune with him. The given here is that this is ongoing. It's not just a one-time writing. This is his nature. He that hath ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. But that's the other given here. How does he speak? He speaks by Spirit. There's a spirit language. 
And so again, that's the privilege we have as believers to understand that we are born again and born of the Spirit, that we now have a new life in Him and our spirit is awakened. And so that we have this kind of communication. We understand having conscience. We understand emotions. We understand having a soul. We understand having emotions. But to the believer, we have the privilege also of being quickened by his spirit. As we become born again, the word of God addresses that and says that we have a guarantee of relationship in the endowment of the Holy Spirit coming into our life. That's not the baptism of the Spirit, but is the initiation of that relationship where now we begin to grow in him. That's why we desire to know him through his word and, and to listen to preachers and to follow up on it and to begin a prayer life so that the spirit of us is now being fed and encouraged and strengthened and growing. This again are the givens given here. He that hath ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. It is getting attuned to the Spirit's voice in our life. Sometimes we relate that to others say, what does that really mean? Sometimes you get that gut feeling. Sometimes you have that inspired thought. Sometimes you're reading the printed page and it just whoosh, comes alive. How many has experienced that this week? And it's like, that was written just for me for right now. But how long ago was it written? That is the inspiration of the Spirit quickening it. He that hath ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Not just what we have recorded here as examples and words that still speak life to us, but it's also telling us the nature of God that he is speaking. Therefore, we understand that he that hath ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying now, this week, this day. As we pray, we, the Word of God encourages us to pray in the Spirit and to pray with its understanding. How many times have you ever prayed and you're speaking in your known tongue? For most of us, that's English. And somewhere along the way, you realize, Lord, I'm just not really doing good with how to express myself and the words that I'm using. There's something I'm looking for. There's something I'm searching for. I need an answer. I need direction. I need guidance. I need peace. And then the Spirit witnesses in our life. And we begin to pray in the Spirit. How many's there? But how many would be honest to say, and sometimes that's happened, and as wonderful as that is, just like, but Lord, I still need understanding. I know my spirit just prayed as well, but I need to know what's going on. Have you ever heard some people talking, and, and you kind of eavesdrop, and you can't, you're hearing a few things, and you heard your name once or twice in that, but you don't know all that they're talking about? Don't you want to know what they're talking about? Inquiring minds want to know. So you get a little closer. And sometimes you just have to come and say, what y'all talking about? Are you talking about me? Do you not know that's how it is in our prayer life? It's okay to ask. He that hath ears, let him hear. I, I heard something, Lord, but I don't know if I really heard you right. Because if, if I did, whew, I'm in trouble. Lord, I think I, I understand what you're saying, but 
that doesn't really sound like you. You've never done that in my life before, so did I miss on You hear these things, and you find them in Scripture, and God's not chastising people when they come back. Lord, can I ask again? Can you give me understanding again? Lord, I'm going to put a fleece before you. I'm going to put another fleece out before you. How many times have I expressed in a sarcastic way, Lord, I think I just heard you speaking, and it's like a burning bush experience, but Lord, I need at least two or three more bushes to catch on fire before I, because I don't want to do it. All these things is reminding us of his nature, but I want to draw attention to this church. I've asked the Lord to really help me today because I know that there is so much study on these churches and so much commentary and, yes, even opinion. Where I want to stay is that God is speaking. But the reality is this church is one of seven churches. And, yes, without a doubt, they were seven legitimate churches in Asia, modern-day Turkey. We understand that they were a postal route. We understand where they were located. So we know that John was given revelation of Jesus Christ and giving a message to these churches that were existing. And the angel of the church probably was the pastor because he said, write these things down so that the angel or that pastor can communicate to the congregants. But it speaks to us more than that. It's obvious that these seven churches were not the same. When I first came into the church of God, I, I was hearing the language back then of, of evangelists coming, and I'd go to somebody else's church for a meeting, and I'd hear the evangelist say, don't you just love that kindred spirit that you're sensing? What he was really saying is, you know, I just was in Michigan last week, and now I'm in Georgia, and next week I'll be in California, but I sense the sameness among the people. What they were really saying is the churches, even though they were in different locations, they were the same types of people, listening to the same kind of music, and Everything was the same back then. These seven churches weren't the same. You find the nature of these churches, you found their weaknesses and their strengths being declared. In other words, there were seven different types of churches. And when you study these churches, you will see that we still see these types of churches. There's no doubt that they were churches and that they were types. But there's also the thought, do they represent dispensations of time? And those of you that studied dispensational thought, there's much credence there. I don't want to camp out there today, but I want us to look at this church. If those who go to dispensational thought, to its entire thought, would say this represents our hour, the last days. This church boasted of being wealthy and increased with goods and said, we don't need anything else, we're doing so good. This particular church, of course, was a strong church, and, and they were blessed for various reasons. They were a powerful church. They were a positioned church. Because of their location, it gave way that they became a major area of commerce, a passageway throughout that then-known world, and therefore they became extremely wealthy as a result of the merchants that wanted to be there and peddle their wares. But they were also known for two other things. 
They were known also for their medical prowess, that they were known for their eye salve. They were known uh, even for ointments for the hearing as well, but especially the eyes. And they also had something else very unique. Their sheep didn't have white wool. It had a very glossy black wool and became very popular. And therefore, all these things came together and it strengthened them. But we find out, like we find out today, that their strengths had become their weakness. Because here they had these things going from them, but they had one Achilles heel. They had one thing that was majorly wrong with the location to protect itself, and that was the water system. The water system was outside the city. They could not protect themselves. If there was a siege of the city, they couldn't protect the waterway, so they created an aqueduct that would funnel that water into the city just in case of a siege. And therefore, it became a vulnerable point to them because now their water no longer was crystal clear and cooling and refreshing. It was tepid. It was lukewarm. You see, the Spirit of God will do the same for us today and speak directly to us. The things that we're familiar with. To these people, this was all, hello, these are things we know about ourselves. But they had looked at it so much they could no longer see the spirit of what was happening to them. They couldn't see their weaknesses. They were so used to these things. But here something else happened to them. And listen very closely. Because history repeats itself. For them, a major killer earthquake happened in their region in AD 61. It leveled the city. It should have put them out of existence. I've had the privilege of being in Israel twice. Beth Sheon is a city that was hit by a killer earthquake and it never recovered. This city was hit with the same kind of quake and yet it restored itself. Why is that important to know? Because it did something to the people. It sounded like a strong resolve, but it caused them to look only to themselves for their answers. Because, you see, this was a people, and when you'll study it, you'll find out that they were offered government assistance, but they said, we don't need it. We will recover on our own. And therefore, when they came back after rebuilding their city, they became a modern-day marvel. And others would say, how did you survive? And pride set in and said, we did it. We don't need anybody else's health. We don't need the government. And when you look closer, it got so much in their spirit, they actually were saying, and God, we no longer need you. We can do this. America is at that place again. We see that Israel fell for that same trap. The northern tribes, as Assyria breached them, they found themselves responding and recovered and said, you know what? We're better than we were. We can handle anything. The next time the nation was besieged, they lost their country. What really is speaking to us here is with all these things going on in the natural and to the nation, God was speaking to a church. He that hath ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church is. I've been here almost 21 years. My first sermon in this building 
21 years ago was from this same passage. He that hath ears. What is the Spirit saying? Back then, my focus was Marietta Church of God had to understand that God has a purpose for this house. Quit looking at other houses and what they're doing and what they're uh, accomplishing, what others are saying about them. What is our mission? What are we to do? But today, even closer now, we have to understand that God is still in his nature wanting to speak and speak to his people. But we have to listen, not just hear him. We have to listen and obey him. We have to understand he's speaking to us of our times. We cannot afford to say, you know what, we've overcome so much other stuff. We've kind of got this now. No, we need God. We need revival. We need his strength. We need his empowerment. How many Pentecostals we have here today? He said he'd pour out his spirit upon all flesh and he would endue them with power, not from this world, but from on high. He still has a supply where he wants to pour out upon his people to give them strength and resolve through the spirit. Again, he speaks to this people and he said, you don't realize how naked you are. Oh, we got this black cloth. Yeah, but you're naked in your spirit. Yeah, you got eyes to have, but you're blind. You no longer see what's really going on. And you see this tepid water that was mentioned. You see, in that region, it wasn't, but just six miles away, there was hot springs that had medicinal factors. And yet on the other side of the city was cool, refreshing waters but they were neither the hot or the cold that would bless and strengthen. All they were left with was tepid water, secondhand water. And as those that didn't know the region just coming through for commerce the first time, they would dip into a well and spit it back out because they were expecting cool water to refresh them, but it was nauseating tepid water. We've all experienced tepid water, haven't we? It just does something to the inside of us. It churns. God says, this is what I'll do with you. You're no longer refreshing. You're no longer full of zeal. You'll find Paul writes to the church in Rome, chapter 12 as we have it. And he says, abhor what is evil and cling to that which is good. Show honor one to another. Matter of fact, he says, learn to outdo one another in honoring Man, we need to hear that today, don't we? Amen. When someone blesses you, just say, oh, yeah? Just watch how I'm going to bless you. <laughs> when someone honors with something that's going on in your life, receive it with gratitude. But want to give it right back. But let me honor you as well. This is the mark of Christianity. We're to be different. Turn to somebody and say, oh, I'm different. It's okay to be different. I like another word. We are to be a people with distinction. Why do you people do what you do? I want someone else to look to us like we have a record in the New Testament. These have been with Jesus. They've turned the then known world upside down. What makes us love when everybody else is hating? You can't do that naturally. It has to be spirit-infused. Be hospitable one to another. Be constant in prayer. 
You see, again, just in that mode, you think, I don't know if I'm doing that much. Yes, you are, because you're continuing to be constant in prayer, which constantly is sending the right message. God, we see our need of you. I may not have a biggie today. You know, how many, how many have been disappointed in your prayer life from time to time? And you find yourself being like a little child that only calls on mom or dad when you really, really want something, but you never recognize mom and dad there on the other days. And all the good that mom and dad's doing for you, but you never take time to thank them until you really need something again. How many have been guilty looking to a heavenly father only when? We got a boo-boo on our knee. Again, he's speaking to us. And in that passage, I love this, to be fervent in spirit and not slothful in your zeal. In this year, it's easy to lose our zeal. Can I hear an amen? amen? Depression wants to take over. And the only way we can overcome that is to let the Spirit of God minister to us. We got to be like Samson on that wheel. Lord, would you just strengthen me one more time? Give me the zeal of the Spirit one more time time. I realize I've been grinding slowly and I'm, I hear my own voice and I'm not as jovial as I was and I'm not as uh, ministering to others and listening to their needs and I'm not as open to share a good word to somebody else. Lord, let me get a hold of that thing one more time. Do something in my spirit. Strengthen me again, Lord. Use me for your higher purpose. Put that zeal in me. Let me be fervent in spirit. There's a quote that comes across. They say and claim it was a spoken word of Jesus himself. But again, we don't find it in the word of God, but it's a still pretty good word. He said, those that stay close to me are staying close to the fire and they will ignite. It is a good word. You can tell who people really are by the people that hang around. You can tell those who's been hanging around with Jesus. They're different. Those that are truly Pentecostal in experience, spirit-filled in experience, you can tell who they are. There's something different. The young man that was so inspiring to me, the pastor's son of the church I was a part of as a teenager, that was one of his favorite words. And now I just, every time I read that or I am praying that, I think of him as he put that in my spirit. How many times have I heard him pray over us as a youth group back then? Lord, make us fervent in spirit. Give us a fervency of spirit. Lord, let us get close to the fire again. Let the spirit of God quicken me. Lord, let me sense your presence. Let me feel your presence and let it show in my life. Lord, do in me what I can't do for myself. Lord, do through me today what you would do if you were walking in flesh again on this earth. Whew, wow. What would Jesus do and say to the people that are around you? If he was in your shoes today. What a sobering thought. So again, he that hath ears, let him hear. As I close today, we have that picture in our mind of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock.
Maybe for some of you, it's the first time you've seen the picture. For others of us, we've seen it all of our life if we've been in church. And someone along the way, a Sunday school teacher, a children's church worker, always points out to us that that door doesn't have a handle. It can only be opened from the inside. That's why Jesus was knocking on the outside. And again, the given here is, through the word of God, behold, I stand at the door and knock. It wasn't the door of a residence or of a hospital. It was the door of a church. Jesus was outside and wanted to come in. I don't want Jesus to come by grace life and have to knock for some of us to let him in. I want him just to walk on in freely. But there's something else with just a little more study that just speaks to us what he was really offering. You see, when this church here, he rebuked them. And yet the word rebuke doesn't speak as much about punishment as it does illumination. Get a hold of yourself. Get a hold of yourself. I'm speaking. And I want to be with you. And if you'll open the door, I will come in. But this word commune is a great word. Because you see, most of us are used to three meals a day. We know what breakfast and lunch and dinner or supper, whichever term you use. This particular word here was the last. Because in their culture, they may just eat a piece of dry bread in the morning for their breakfast to start their day. That's not what he was offering. They also realized that at midday they were still working and they did not want to overeat and cause themselves to be lethargic. So again, it was just a, a snack. What he was offering to them was the evening meal when all the work had been completed. And there was no clock to hurry them. Just spend time together and enjoy. That's what he offers to us. I will come in and I will not just get a snack with you. I won't just kind of be passing through and just grab something and leave you again. I want to come in and commune with you and you with me. I want to spend time with you. I want you to be nourished, hydrated, and strengthened. I want you to receive all that I have for you. That's what he's offering today. Would you stand with me today?